But in this idea of imperative, these are the imperative things that needed to happen for us here at 360, but we also want to talk about the imperative of things that happen within our own uh, spiritual life. And so this week, we want to look at the idea of what it is to abide in Christ. And I, I think if, if you're like me and you grew up in the church or you've been around church for a while, that, that word just comes up a lot. But it's, it's the most specific, vague word I think we have uh, uh, in church. You know, like, yes, we just need to abide. Well, what does that mean? I don't know. But just abide. Yeah. Still don't know what it means. Anyway, so the, the point this morning is we just kind of wanted to take some time and unpack it a little bit more. Talk, talk about what it means not only as Christ abides, but what it means for us to abide in him. And uh, really the best way I feel to look at that is to read the entire passage where it first comes into play, and that's in John 15. So you can go ahead and turn in your Bibles to John 15. We're going to be there for the whole day. Uh, we're just going to stay in this one section, verses 1 through 17. The verses will be up on the screen, but you can also uh, follow along in your devices or whatever you have. But John 15, 1 through 17. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples." As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for, servant, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another." So this passage is what's referred to as the, the farewell discourse. Just to give you some context, this is right after the Last Supper has taken place. In fact, the verse previous to where we started literally says, arise, let's go from here. So they, they have left the room that they have been eating the Last Supper. This is Jesus and his disciples, and they are, are headed out onto the road. They're headed towards uh, the Garden of Gethsemane. This is prior to the crucifixion taking place. But I imagine this conversation is taking place on the road as they're going, and, and as they pass by what is most likely a, a set of, of vines and of uh, grapevines, because this would be a common thing you'd see uh, back in those days. And, and what's interesting here is that this passage we just read 
has two primary sections that deal with the term abide. You know, the, the, the first part is abiding in the vine, and the second part is abiding in his love. And in order to understand that second part, abiding in his love, you, you need to really kind of walk through the illustration of the first one, abiding in the vine. So we're just going to really go bit by bit. We're going to start from the beginning and work our way to the end, kind of look at these different sections to lay out and explain what this means to abide and then what it means for us in particular. So we're going to be very horticultural this morning. So you can put on your green thumbs and your gardening hats. Can I just go ahead and ask first before we get started, are there any actual full-time gardeners or excuse me, farmers here? Do we have any real farmers? Any real farmers? Great, good. No one's going to ruin my illustrations. Okay, awesome. That's fantastic. Uh, no, you never know sometimes. You throw something out and then you get the technical guy who comes and corrects you. So I'm just checking. We have no... All right, good. We're good. So John 15, one through three. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. So let's go ahead and kind of reset our thinking first off. Because when you see this term, you know, the vine and the vine dresser and, you know, of bearing a fruit and whatnot, I, I don't know what your experience is with vines. Uh, maybe you have vines around your house. Maybe you have vines on your house. Um, uh, but this is not this creeping ivy type of thing that we think of. Um, Grapevines in you know, biblical times would almost look like little trees. You have this thick kind of central part of the vine, and then out of it would come these branches, and then on there you would have like the clusters of grapes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So we can, we can imagine uh, not what you would expect, I think, but think more of kind of like a, a tree maybe in some regards. And... Um, the idea, too, is that these, these, the, the vine and the branches, while they are one uh, complete system, you're actually, really, it's the vine that is giving out to the fruit that is being bared. The fruit has no benefit that it gives back into the vine. This is a one-way street, essentially. So you're, you're not looking at this kind of cohesive thing. Yes, it is cohesive. Yes, there's photosynthesis. I was reminded of photosynthesis in the first service. But you, so you, yes, you have the, the leaves that are like making the nutrients, but it's the vine that does the work and sends it into the branches that ultimately creates the fruit. Um, and, and, and the reason we're talking also about this idea of pruning back, well, I just want you, you know what? I'm not going to tell you right now. I'm going to tell you later. So just think about why we prune a vine. Why would you prune it? And maybe you have your own experiences. You, you've, you know, now that it's raining again, things are growing and you have to prune and cut stuff back and, and just kind of put that in the back of your head and imagine why, why it is specifically that we, we do that. We'll, we'll get back to it in a little bit. But let's look still at this next section in verse four, where it really kind of opens it all up. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Now, Jesus is speaking to his disciples in these first four verses in particular. That's why verse three says, you know, you, you've been cleaned. Essentially, they've already gotten the message. They, they understand. They, they are prepared to go and bear fruit. But Jesus is just reminding them of the importance of bearing fruit. But here's that first utterance of the word abide. And again, we ask the question, okay, well, what, what does abide mean? What do we do with the term abide? And, and a literal translation, abide is going to mean to continue 
Uh, or it, it, it might mean uh, like to stay or to wait. Maybe your Bible actually might say remain. Uh, but the reason we sang, I will wait this morning is kind of just even preparing you in some way to think about what it is to wait, to remain, but yet to continue. And what's funny is when you think about uh, the idea of like, we need to wait, we need to stay, they're always in like set lock increments of time. You know, you, you, I'm going to wait here for five minutes. You know, oh, well, we're, we're going to stay here for a couple days. You know, the, no one is just like, I'm going to wait indefinitely. Oh, I didn't mean now. Um, so, but that, that sense of, again, you know, th- 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 there's, there's a limit to the amount of waiting, and yet this term of abiding is talking about you're going to continue. So it's this interesting idea, like, so we're going to wait, but we're going to keep going. Rob, what does this mean? Well, that's what we're talking about. So the other thing that's really neat about that passage, especially in verse four in particular, is that this is a glimpse of the new covenant that is to come. Because you, know, you have to think about it now. So, so Israel at this point, uh, still very much under the law. There are sacrifices. There's the temple. You've got all these rituals and things that need to take place. But here's Jesus kind of pulling things back a little bit and saying, look, abide in me and I in you. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to be in you. I'm going to be a part of your life and you are going to be a part of me. This is what's going to take place after I rise from the dead and return to my father. But the disciples in the moment don't know what that really means because they don't have any context for it. But I'm sure when they went back and looked, they were like, oh, this, see, exactly. Now we get this idea of abiding in the vine. And so my other question that I'm going to ask, first ask, why do we prune stuff? But the next thing I want you just to think about and kind of plan in your head is like, okay, so we're talking about fruit. We're talking about bearing fruit. And I want to ask you from a very literal sense, how does fruit grow? Oh, I heard somebody. I heard somebody. Slowly. slowly. Fruit grows slowly. Just put that in that same part that you're holding that question, okay? You know, we're, we're going we're gonna to wait until a little bit later, but just begin to think about, okay, it's growing slowly. All right. So if we're abiding and we're bearing fruit, this is obviously something that's going to take some time. It's going to take a little while, but okay, let's, let's, let's keep going. John 15, 5 through 8. I am the vine you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples." So he continues with the illustration of the vine. He continues with the illustration of the branches. But now we have a little bit of a caveat, okay? Because we've talked about if you abide in me and I in you, you will bear fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Yikes. So if you're going to talk about the vine and you're going to talk about branches, you're not a good pastor or preacher unless you actually bring a branch, so I, uh, I separated this from something in my yard this morning. 
uh, I have cut it off and I just wanted, you know, you know, so, so we've got this branch right here and, and, and this serves the purpose of what we're talking about right now. So, uh, you know, we're, we're, this branch is separated from the vine, shall we say. Now I'd like you all to help me because, you know, I'm, I'm up here all by myself, but I would like you all to help me. If we could all collectively will a good feeling, vibe, the force, whatever you want to call it, and just, if we could all aim it at this vine, let's see if we can get it to bear some fruit, okay? I'll tell you what, fruit's a little much, let's just get it to blossom, okay? We're just looking for the vine to blossom, because, you know, there's some buds on there, so it, it should work. All right, everybody ready? You ready? Ready for the goodness, good, the, the good feelings, the good work that we're going to do? And Go. Nothing. Now, like if I was a magician, I think this is when you know you would do it and then it would like blossom, but then you completely ruin the illustration. <laughs> this branch is not gonna blossom. This branch is dead. I mean, it looks alive right now and, it, and it's fine, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's whatever. But if, if I left it here and kind of threw it on the side and we came back a week from now, like this branch is done. And that same illustration applies here because Jesus is saying, look, it's, it's great that you've got all your good intentions and you can stand out here and you know, you're, you're doing things, but apart from me, you can do nothing. This branch can now do nothing except die. It's done. It's finished. And so you just, kinda, you, you just need to simmer and kind of think on that one for a minute of where this branch is in relation to the actual plant that it came from. So separation is not the ideal thing. We don't, you know, it, th- this is not good for the branch right now. But Jesus even goes then and says, you know, if, if you abide in me and my words are in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. Cool. So we can just ask Jesus for anything if we're with Jesus and he'll just give it to us. Nice. Now, this blank check theology that you might be thinking of right now is incorrect because here's the reality is that this branch, when it was connected to the vine that it came from, this branch is only going to produce and do the things that the vine originally intended it to do. This branch is not going to blossom and have cherries on it, okay? This branch is not going to blossom and suddenly start to create oranges or things along this line. And I'm talking when it's in the vine, not even here being it removed. But that's the point. When we are in Christ and Christ is in us and we continue to abide with him, we're not going to ask for things that are of our own interest and our own value. We're going to be asking and seeking after the things that are on his heart that he values, And so in that sense, that's where we can look and say, okay, look, it's not that you can get whatever you want, but it's the idea actually of being able to say, look, here I am, I'm connected with you, but now my cares, my desires are your desires. And those are the things that I am going to start asking for. Those are the things that I'm going to want, not my own independent things. And such as then bearing fruit glorifies the Father. So when we're abiding in him and we are producing that fruit, we're producing that life in Christ that's visible to others around us, as we begin to bear that fruit, that's going to show that we are glorifying the Father because we're doing it exactly as we are intended to, exactly as the branch is intended to grow and blossom on the vine that it came from. But let's keep going. Verses 9 through 11. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. 
If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So now we come to the second pairing, if you will. So we first talked about abide in me and I in you. Now it's abide in my love if you keep my commandments. So we first talk about abiding in the vine. Now we move into the section where we're abiding in God's love. We're abiding in the love of the Father. And this is when it begins to kind of, you start to see kind of the, the cycles at work, if you will. So if we abide, if we keep the commandments and abide in his love, then we're able to abide in him and to produce fruit. So they are connected, but again, you need the understanding of the first before you can move to the second. But there's a parameter here that God puts in place that Jesus is speaking of. And again, we're not talking about a checklist because you, you see the word commandments and you think, okay, here's something I need to do. If I do this, then it'll just kind of work. But this commandment is a little different and we're gonna read about it in verses 12 through 15 if we keep going. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friend. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. So we see a twofold message in here. So that first one, you know, verse 12, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Wow. Man, to just love like Jesus loves, it's so great. It's so just, yeah, yeah. Love people like I love you, yeah. I can do that. I can totally do that. I will totally love people like Jesus loves people. But what does it actually mean to love people like Jesus loves people? Well, verse 13 says, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Okay, and if we're thinking about Christ who's saying this, probably your connection is, well, Christ went and died for everybody, literally, uh, so does that mean I need to go and die for my friends? Like, that's kind of, you know, and, and, and we view it through this lens of, like, I need to go and die so that my friend will know that I love them. I better make sure I pick the right friend, okay? I mean, it's a one-time deal here we're talking about. But actually, when you look at the original meaning, and, and if you can actually separate yourself from that image of death, what it actually means is more along this line of giving something up, or, and, and this one, I, I mean, this is, this is fantastic, laying aside a right to a possession. And that possession is you. Everything that you hold dear, everything that you think is important, everything that you, know, you want, everything that you desire, everything that you kind of want to set up, and just all your uh, uh, um, um, party affiliations and job titles and security and identity and all those different things that make you you, you need to take them and get them out of the way. You need to get rid of them if you're really going to love the person in front of you. Okay, so can we go back to that death thing? Because I think that's easier. I think I'd rather do that one. I think I'd rather just have a one and done. I don't want to keep living that way. So now suddenly the idea of actually loving like Jesus loves is a little more than you might be expecting. And yet, like, here's, this, here's this phenomenal example of this one. So uh, if, if, 
Don't know if you're aware or not, but we have a ministry here at 360 called Breakthrough that is aimed towards the LGBTQ community. And as soon as you say that in a church, everybody just like, you know, on edge, like, okay, how do we handle this? What's the best way to do it? Who, you know, we acknowledge you, we want to care for people, but we want to be, tr- like, it's, it's, it's this whole uh, reactionary thing. And when I first talked to Jim Childs, who is the, the, the guy responsible for it, who we've now sent out as a missionary to help train and teach other churches how to do this well, Jim said, here's the deal. We don't look at an individual and say, here's the LGBTQ community in front of me. Here is a person who God loves and who I need to love. And man, that was like a game changer for me. Because to separate this whole presupposition and all this stuff that comes with and say, no, we're just going to deal with the individual. We're just going to love the individual in front of us, and that's how we're going to get started. And that's that idea of loving like Jesus loves. Because if you can get rid of all that extra baggage and all that stuff that you're carrying around yourself, then you're really going to love people like he intended you to love people. And what's cool too is he even says it here, you're no longer servants, you're no longer required to do these things, but you're my friends now if you begin to love this way. You know, we're on the same page, we're in the same mission and same ministry, so you no longer are like this underling, but you're here with me. We're doing this together, and that's why we get called in this opportunity. So what it means to love like he loves, what it means to abide in him by loving people in this way. And then he closes with this. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. So he closes by reminding the disciples that, hey, look, I I chose you specifically for this task. You are going to bear fruit that will abide, fruit that will continue. We are the benefactors of that fruit abiding and growing and continuing. The church as a whole exists because that same fruit of not only passing on the message of Christ, but living the life that Christ wanted you to has propelled the church forward even to this modern day so that we continue in fruit that abides from the true vine. That's great and all, Rob, but I still don't know what it means. And so what's, here's the $10 million question, but what is this abiding? What is this abiding that we're talking about? We've just, we've just, we've gone all over in this area of abiding and John loves the word abide, by the way. In the gospel of John, he says it 39 times and in his three letters, he says it 19 times in there. But I think it's fitting because John is referred to as the disciple that Jesus loved. And so I think John was the first one to kind of get into that rhythm and understand it and So to him, abiding is this natural process. It's just something that he did. But what does it mean for us? How do we abide? Again, we've read through this, and I hope you gleaned some understanding, but what do we do with it now? Personal story time, everybody. Here we go. My example of what it is to abide. So if you don't know us, um, we were missionaries uh, in the Czech Republic for about five years, moved back to the States in September of 2016, And in January of 2017, we had an opportunity as a family to go to Colorado for a uh, debrief and refreshment time. This is like post-mission field stuff. It was uh, specifically designed that way. It was a time of looking back and looking forward and introspection and talking about what you're going through and what you're going to go through and how you won't even know what you're going through and all those different things. 
And you know, it's, it's, it's always designed by introverts. So inevitably, there's some point in time where you got to go and read something in the woods and sit on a rock and write something down. And for some people, I don't want to name any names or anything like that, they just don't do well in that setting. They don't do well being alone in certain circumstances. Like, can't I just talk to everyone here right now about what I'm going through? It's easier that way for me. Okay, but so one of the things they asked is they said, look, you need to go and meditate and study on this section of scripture, John 15. And you need to go and you need to sit and you need to be away and you need to do something. The, the Lectio Divina, if you've ever heard of that, it's, it's a method of like meditating on the scripture. You read it over and over and over again and you repeat it to yourself over and over again. And they said, you need to go and do this. And I begrudgingly went and sat on some rock and took a journal and read through it and tried my best to get through. But it wasn't an easy thing for me. But I wrote something down and I still have it. And I want to share it with you guys. So this is January 2017, okay? My desire and control is not for me to be someone else, but for me to abide in him alone. Wow, that's good. Not to strive for someone else's spiritual barometer, but for me to understand that this is only about me and my own fight and my own struggle to achieve my desire to abide. What's up with that guy? Did you notice those words that are coming through in that little passage right there? Strive, fight, struggle, achieve. What you are getting is a glimpse of Rob grasping this branch and saying, blossom, do something. Come on. It's going to happen. I can make this work. I know this can work. I have to make this work because this is what I'm getting into. I am straining in that page to make this thing blossom under my own ability and my own power because that's all I was relying on then. And 2017 was not a great year for me. And if you were here in January when I spoke, I kind of laid some of it out, but it was hard. There was a lot of this and not a lot of abiding. And it was a process. It was painful. It was difficult. And I struggled on all kinds of different levels behind the scenes. And you guys loved me in spite of it, which I love. But by December, I was out. I was done. I had run out of gas. I was at the bottom of the barrel. And so I called uh, my cousin-in-law. Yes, that's a word. I just made it up. I called my cousin-in-law, Chris, and he was a missionary in uh, Azerbaijan and in Kazakhstan. And then they came back to the States and they went through a similar period of transition. It was very difficult and struggled. And he was working in a church now too. So I called Chris in December and I was just like, dude, I am done. I am worn out, I am exhausted, I am alone on an island, and I am straining to bear any kind of fruit. And Chris is great. He takes no guff whatsoever, and he's like, okay, I get that, I get that, I was there. Now, I'm going to ask you a question, and you need to give me an answer, and not the Sunday school answer. I want the answer. You just said you're alone on an island. Yes. Is Jesus with you on that island? No. Okay. Okay. You know where you are then? Uh, No. Oh, buddy, you're in hell. (laughs) Because if you're not with Jesus, then you're in hell. But you know what? 
if you're in hell, it probably means you've hit the bottom. So there's only up to go from there, okay? So he tells me this. And again, you're kind of like, wow, thanks for the uh, encouragement on that one. But he then said something that totally flipped the script. He said, look, you're a pastor's kid. Now you've been a missionary. Now you're working in a church. You know all the stuff to say. You know how to say it. You know what verses to pull up. You know what books to read. You know what prayers to pray. You know how to say everything that you need to do so that everybody thinks, wow, he's just pumping out fruit left and right. You need to love Jesus. And you need to figure out what that means for you and you alone. Now, I know your gut instinct is to say, okay, that means I need to go pray more and I need to go read my Bible more. There's nothing wrong in either one of those things, but that's not what I'm talking about. You need to love Jesus like he loves you. You need to stop. And so instead of fighting and striving to make this blossom under my own ability separated from the vine, I let something happen. I let him prune and take things off. Because... Do you know why we prune a grapevine? That question from the beginning. Now, some of you might say it's from like a, a, a visible, you know, so you can graph things in and so you want to control where it goes and all these different things. Yeah, th that, that's right. But the ultimate reason as to why we prune a grapevine is that a grapevine is able to produce. So, you know, again, we've got our tree trunk and we've got these branches coming off. A grapevine is able to produce about three to 400 blossoms. And of those three to 400 blossoms, they will all produce a grape. They will all eventually turn into a grape. And the vine has enough capability and nutrients and things to feed into those three to 400 blossoms that will ultimately become three or 400 grapes. But you know what happens when you have three or 400 grapes on a vine? They're not really good grapes. Yeah, they're grapes, but you wouldn't want to like make anything out of them. You wouldn't really want to do anything with them. It essentially is just kind of going in all different directions. So the reason we prune, the reason we cut stuff out, the reason we take things off is so that all that nutrient and energy and ability doesn't go into three or 400 blossoms, but it goes into a select few. And in that select few, in those handfuls of bunches, you get fruit, but you get good fruit. You get really good fruit. That's the stuff you make things out of. That's the stuff you want people to taste. So you divert all those resources and you make sure they go into one specific area. And that is what happens when you abide in the vine the way you're intended to. So January 1st, I knew I needed to make some changes. I knew I needed to cut some stuff out because I needed to figure out what it was to love Jesus for me. I have a dog and he must go outside every day. Otherwise it just, well, it, it gets complicated. So I walk the dog every night. And every night when I would walk the dog, you got the dog here, you got the phone here. 
and I follow the standard American practice of a slightly bent neck as I move through life in my neighborhood, stopping occasionally, and then uh, you know, continuing on. And I recognize something. I have to do this every single night. He's, he's not going to give me a break in any capacity whatsoever. We have a yard, backyard. No, I'm not going in the yard. That's my yard. I need to be walked around the neighborhood. So pretty, pretty princess needs to go outside every single day. So I decided to leave my phone in the house. And as I walked the dog, I talked to Jesus. And I mean it. I talked to Jesus. I didn't pray because here's the problem. When I pray, I pray like this. Father, thank you for, I sound like Captain Kirk. You know, it's like, Lord, we thank you for this day and for everything you've given us. And Lord, we just want to relax. And I mean, it, it, it's, it's, I'm not saying it's fake, but I'm not saying it's real in those moments. So I just walked and talked. And some days I just, I talked a lot. And some days I listened some days I was so frustrated and angry and I'm like yelling. And then other days I'm quiet with tears kind of welling up, not wanting to like ugly cry around the neighborhood with the dog. But I cut something out. Not to make room, not to make space, not to wedge it into my schedule, but to intentionally say, I'm getting rid of this. And I did something else as well. You know, we come home, we've had a long day at work, you want to decompress in whatever capacity you do. And for a lot of us, it means we're just going to sit and we're going to do this or we're going to do this or, you know, I mean, that's, that's kind of our standard. I get it. And uh, especially, you know, if you have little kids, I understand that as well. Gracious. It's like, you're just waiting for seven o'clock and then like, okay, we've got 40 minutes of time to ourselves. What do we need to do? Go, go, go work on the house. Come up with this, do this thing, have this other, there's always something. There's always something. And if there's not something, there's something just to take away our something because we think we're doing something. Yeah. (laughs) So I made a pact with myself and said at nine o'clock, I turn everything off. I turn off my phone, I turn off my iPad, I turn off the TV, I turn off games, do whatever I'm doing. We stop. And I sit and I read my Bible and I talk with Jesus a little bit more. And after that first week, man, nothing changed. And the second, and the third, and the fourth, and on it goes, and on and on, but slowly. Because how does fruit grow? Slowly. I began to love Jesus in a way that I had not done before. But the only way I was going to do that, church, is getting rid of something else permanently and intentionally to the point now that if you come over to my house and you're visiting and it hits nine o'clock, I start to get antsy because you're interrupting my Jesus time, okay? But something began to happen. I'm five months into this now and I love my wife differently. I love my neighbors differently. I love my job differently. I love all of you differently. Because that option, that opportunity to abide began to take root and trying to struggle to make this thing go, I'm not doing it anymore. 
I'm not striving, I'm not fighting, I'm not wrestling with whatever to try and make something happen. It's actually really nice. Jesus says, my yoke is easy, but my burden is light. Before he even talked to the disciples to tell them about abiding in the vine, he said this phrase, my peace I give to you, my peace I leave with you. But the only way you are going to be able to achieve this is you have to be pruned. You have to be cut back. And I get it. There's a lot of things that maybe a lot of us are doing, and they are very good things. And they might be good things for God as well. But if you are living for God and not loving him and not feeling it and getting that sense of abiding in the vine, all of that fruit is not great fruit. So cut, remove, stop, stop, and abide in him. I want to take some time this morning because here's the reality. You're not going to figure this out in a week. You're not going to figure this out in two weeks. You're not going to figure this out probably in a couple months. But some of you who have been walking this path, you know what it is to abide and you can testify, yes, this is going to take a while. This fruit is going to grow slowly and you need to be okay with that. But you need to start somewhere. And I want to take today and say, let's start right now. Clay's going to come and play this song for us. And as he does, I want you to think about what are those things I can get rid of? What are those things I need to stop doing so that I can love Jesus the way he wants me to love him? And here's the thing. What it is for you to abide with Christ is going to be different for what it is for me. We are all going to have a different way that we love Jesus, but the fruit is going to be the same. So being able to go and say something like, well, you know what? I'm just going to skip church and sleep in because when I sleep, I feel rested and that's how I'm abiding. No, 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 no. It doesn't work that way. Sorry, sorry. Our outward fruit is going to be the same because if we're abiding in Christ, again, those things that are on his mind, those things that are on his heart, they're going to be on our heart and they're going to come through and it's going to be visible. If you're not in an act group, the act group questions this week are, are printed in the bulletin and I would just encourage you to look over them now as you listen to this song. What are those areas that need to be pruned? What are those things that need to be cut back? What are those things that you need to get rid of? What are those things you need to stop that will allow you to begin to abide in the vine as you are intended to?